2024. Here we go. You ready? How are you, Mire? How is Punta del Este? I have to tell you, I'm very pleasantly surprised by this place. It's such a beautiful, beautiful beach town situation. I hear Uruguay is amazing. And it's close to Rio because you were in Rio, Rio before, it's a right? Very short flight. Um, I came to visit a friend of mine that invited me super last minute, and I was like, "Why not? I have a holiday Monday, and I did it." So here we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. How 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 does it feel? I mean, I want to hear more about Uruguay later, but how does it feel being back you know, in Brazil? It feels quite amazing. I don't like. I don't really miss Miami. I will say. Um, I mean, Miami, I love you, but I don't really miss it right now. <laughs> um, I, I'm staying with my grandma in Rio. I mean, Rio in the summer is The Port do Sol in the Arpoador, which, guys, it's a place in Ipanema. You guys must know the song, Girl from Ipanema. That's not me, but that could be me, you know. Um, but I'm staying with my grandma, and she's just been, like, nurturing my soul, spending a lot of time with her, like, she, asking her a lot of questions about my grand, uh, like, my the rest of my family. And she's been taking me out to see her friends and to go to Samba, a lot of things that she does. She's 76, by the way. She's super active. Mire, for this episode, I think it's a great time to go back and see how your performance for 2023 was. I always would start off the year looking into my clients' portfolios. And I think it's a great exercise and a great way to start year to just take a step back, see how your investments performed the prior year, see what worked, what didn't work, and make sure that your portfolio is still aligned with your goals. I'm quite excited for this sec for this one because after this past year, which was a great year for markets, it, it almost seems to be an easy review and very easy to come across as extremely sharp. But the truth is that all performance is relative. So what I really want to focus on in this episode is not only going through how your assets performed, but really giving you the tools and the correct benchmark so that going forward, whenever it is that you're analyzing your performance, you can be honest with yourself. Um, or if somebody, or if you're working with somebody, you can really ask, look at it through the right lens and figure out whether yeah. things are working. Can we or not. start with the celebration though? Why do you say we go yes. into your portfolio? Yes. What, cele what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the year. We're celebrating that the markets did well. Guys, well, we'll get into this later. I know we can't. How do you feel? How do you, how do you, how do you feel with 2023 performance? I mean, I have to say, I feel pretty good. I think like what makes me excited, the like the most excited is this is the first time that I'm actually taking the time to look at my portfolio, to like outline everything and compare, right? Like I've never really done it in this way before. So it's a good year to start doing it because the markets performed great. I know that doesn't mean everything and we'll get into it, but still like I'm seeing the numbers grow. Um, so that feels really good. And also looking at my contributions to me has been cool because I've been like, I've really been able to save this year more than maybe I thought I would because I was like paying Miami rent, paying the life, like life in Miami is not cheap. So. I'm like happy that I was able to save so much and be able to invest that money so that my wealth can grow more um, and still do, you know, still traveled, still did a lot of things that I love this year. So I was able to balance both. Um, and yeah, I mean, I good. I feel, I feel yeah. excited. And I think I want to keep on understanding better how I can, you know, invest 
in an even smarter way, but I think like it's definitely been a good year to kind of kick this off. Yeah. No, and I think once we dive into your numbers, I think the quantitative part will take care of itself. And I think it would feed your positive impressions. But qualitatively, I think you definitely have a lot to feel happy about, right? I think we started off the year or when we started this, the project, we did your budget, which allowed you to plan accordingly, which allowed you to travel while also saving, while also investing, which was the whole point that to make sure that you're living within your means and still prioritizing kind of your financial well-being. That included not only setting up a rainy day fund, which gives you tons of peace of mind, right? I know, for example, towards the end of last year, Spotify had layoffs. Thankfully, you weren't impacted. But had you been impacted, that rainy day fund would have afforded you a lot more peace of mind. So it's important that we take that into account. You also invest in, into your retirement accounts, into your brokerage accounts. So I think you developed a lot of great financial habits. And the fact that there was extremely strong performance in the markets just kind of substantiates the importance of, of consistently investing and staying invested. So congratulations there. Because when I look into your numbers, again, you had a phenomenal year. You, your assets were up 42%. So your net worth increased 42%. Whoop, whoop. Yay. Good job. And when we look at this number, right, like it includes that amount of money that I was also able to put towards my savings. Towards, I mean, my investments from my savings. Exactly. So I think it's, it's really important to differentiate what were contributions and what were actual performance of your underlying investments. Because there is a difference between how much your assets grow and how your investments perform. So for example, when I say that your assets were up 42%, that includes both contributions and appreciation of your investments. You contributed a little over 20% of your, of your net worth towards savings, investments, retirement, and your investments performed a little over 20%. So that is, that is fantastic. When you think about those numbers, well, first of all, how do you feel I mean, when you I, hear I, that? That forty-two percent number that comes to mind. It seems like a win. Um, it feels like a win, right? Like forty-two percent is amazing. And also, I do know that like the year before wasn't as good of a year for the market, so it, I recovered a lot of what I had lost, which is also like a reminder, a nice reminder that when you're investing long term. There might be dips, but there's also going to be growth. So like it hopefully balances itself out to, throughout the years. Yeah. And if you recall, when we started off the year, everybody was assuming that there was going to be a recession. And when we were mid-year, that was kind of still the base case. And had we not been aggressive in putting that money to work, we wouldn't have ridden the rally that we had in the markets towards the end of the year. So... It just goes to show that you kind of got to block off the noise and, and stay invested. Now, I do think you, you, over time, you became a lot more aggressive in terms of your asset allocation and adding more equities. You were willing to take on more risk. Mind you, in an up market, it, it feels a lot easier. But also towards the third quarter, I mean, the market did sell off somewhat. So I, I do think there is definitely to your credit, you were able to yeah. stick to your plan, right? And, and add more, add more equity, add more risk, 
what do you think made you feel more comfortable doing that? I mean, I don't want to be corny, but like this, this podcast, I would say just understanding better what I was doing, how I was investing, what the risks really are compounding. Like, I think once you have a better understanding, you're more comfortable doing, taking the risk. So that was definitely my case. And I think for this year, one of my big learnings is, or one of my learnings I would say is like, I definitely want to keep on being a little bit more aggressive. I want to start investing also sooner. Mm -hmm. I think we, when we were looking at the numbers, we also saw, you know, because I invested a little bit every month, I still grew a lot, but I think if I had invested more in the beginning of the year, that's more time, um, which means more compounding. Is that the right way to say it? No, that's probably not the right way to say it. You can correct me. It's fine. That's good enough. So I, I don't know. Like I think this year and I already am trying, it hasn't worked yet. Don't kill me. I'm trying to put more money into my IRA. It's like open an IRA account. Uh, I want to invest more early on as of course I can't just invest all my money and I don't want to do that, but I do want to take that effort to be a little bit more aggressive and get closer to um, that growth portfolio that we talked about. Yeah, for sure. So I think, I mean, we started the year or when we started looking into your asset allocation, you were a little closer to 60% in equities. Now that number is closer yeah. to 65%, which I think is where we want it to be, right? Anywhere between a balance and a growth portfolio. I agree with you that you can afford to up your equity maybe to 70% equity, 30% fixed income, which is yeah. more of a growth portfolio based on your risk tolerance. I think we can gradually yeah. get there. We wanna make sure that you're consistently contributing. I wouldn't, like, even though you wanna front load as much as possible, I do think it's much more valuable to make sure you plan properly so that you can contribute consistently versus necessarily front loading anything that goes beyond yeah. your capacity to invest. Now, one thing I did want to emphasize on, because I do think it's kind of the crux of this episode is what exactly does your performance imply, right? When I say you were up yeah. 20%, right? Or a little over 20%. What does that mean? And this is where I want to introduce the concept of a proper benchmark. In investing, everything is about relative performance. Very little has to do with absolute performance. And I think this is kind of a less appreciated concept, right? I often speak with people. I've gone through performances of other portfolios. I tell them that they're up 15%. They are up mm -hmm. in arms with joy, but that yeah. number doesn't mean anything, right? Unless we look at the proper benchmark. And I'm sure that probably applies to different areas. If you were to compare the success of a marketing campaign, for example, how would you go through it? Because I wouldn't be surprised me. That's not too different. It's definitely how you look not. At I mean, let's say we're looking at engagement, which is a metric that we look at a lot at Spotify. I'm looking at likes, comments, shares. I would, I would likely compare the performance of a camp, like one campaign to another campaign based on those metrics, but it's really hard because it's not, it's not apples to apples. One campaign, one video might be like, a minute and a half, one video might, video might be 30 seconds, one might be from Latin music fans, other might be for rock music fans, you know, you can't really compare, which I think makes my job, especially when it comes to results and data, a lot harder. And, and that's super interesting. And it's not too different to how it is with investments, right? Finding the proper benchmark is much more an art than a science, because there's so many factors that go into it. And, and don't get me wrong, that's, that's true, not only of a portfolio just such as yours or mine, that is true of like institutional yeah. money managers. For example, I would look into 
mutual funds that have billions of dollars of assets under management. And one of the pain points that I had was that at times they try to be slick and they would place a benchmark that was just not appropriate for the type of risk that they were taking. But then again, since a benchmark is more of an art than a science, they could get away with it. So the point I'm trying to make is whenever you look at performance, make sure you are aware of the proper benchmark. So that gets me to what is your benchmark, right? You're mostly allocated to equities and then you have a piece that is fixed income. So what I did was did a blended benchmark of the S&P 500 and Barclays Global Ag, mm -hmm. which is a fixed income benchmark. Now, if I were to be super nitty gritty and to the T, that might not even be appropriate benchmark for you just because most of your fixed income is cash. But I think just to get a sense of what you can compare something to, okay, that's kind of what question. I arrived at. Can I ask a and yeah. So if you're saying my benchmark is, you're looking at the S&P 500 and I mean, granted, you're saying it's not perfect, but my investments are 60% equity or not even like some of it, like most of it, mm -hmm. very little of my investments are S&P 500 only, right? So how could I go mm -hmm. about looking at this then? Or like, is there like multiple benchmarks that I should look at so that it's more accurate? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's very difficult because most of your equity is tied in global equities, which includes the US and includes Europe and probably other developed markets and emerging markets. So you can look at other equity benchmarks, for example, the MSCI All World Equity Index tracks global equities. If you were to use a global equity index, the performance of that blended benchmark would be much lower. Because for example, while the US, the S&P 500, had over 20% a performance of positive, I think it was 23, 24%, right? Europe was up in the mid teens, not sure how Japan did or EM did. They didn't, they did pretty poorly actually. But the point I'm trying to get to is depending on the benchmark that we choose that we look at our relative performance will look that much more okay. differently. And so what right? benchmark do you look at for yourself? For instance, for myself, I look at the S and P 500. So I think I mentioned this while I don't think my portfolio is indicative of what I would suggest take on a lot more risk. I'm 90% concentrated in equities. I just default to the S and P 500 as, yeah. as my benchmark. And but if I were to really get into the nitty gritty, it'd probably be some blend of something the, else. So what? So what was the including the S and P five hundred? What the S and P five hundred like growth this year? Am I above benchmark? Below benchmark? How did I track? Your investments were up a little bit over twenty percent, right? And the blended benchmark of sixty percent S and P five hundred and forty percent Barclays Global Ag was up eighteen percent. So you okay, outperformed so your benchmark, which makes Mini sense. Celebration. Okay. Celebration. Celebration. It makes sense, right? You have a, a good amount of exposure to Spotify stock, which I think was up over hundred percent this year, over the past year you have, yeah. And you have other sources of equity that yeah. performed well, you definitely outperformed yeah. anytime you look at your performance. And this is kind of my advice to anybody who is listening, 
make sure you ask, what is my benchmark? That should be the question. What is my okay, benchmark? Okay, question back to you. So, because like, okay, what is my benchmark? I yeah. get it. But why Why would you say it really matters, right? Like, let's say one of our Boteco fan listeners are listening to this. Why, like, they care about their benchmark just to read their performance. But is there another reason? Like, should I be looking at my benchmark to understand maybe my strategy for next year? Like, why? why do I care? So the reason you care, I would say the reason you care about your benchmark is because you can only analyze your investments on a relative basis. So let me be more specific. In 2022, a that same kind of 60-40 portfolio, call it, that was up close to 18% this year, was down double digits last year, in 2022, right? So if you were to tell me that you had, let's create a benchmark of only the S&P 500. I forget how much the S&P 500 was down in 2022, but it was double digits. So let's suppose that you were invested only in US equities and somehow you were only down yeah. 5% or you were invested in a mutual fund that invested in only US equities and that manager was down 5%. You would, your first, your first instinct would be like, oh, that sucks. He was down 5%. But the truth is that's a phenomenal performance. If somebody was down and it was an all equity portfolio, 5% in 2022, that is an amazing manager and he should be applauded. For the same reason, if I were to tell you, Mire, 2022 sucked, but guess what? In 2023, you're up 10%. Your reaction shouldn't be, Fede, that's amazing. No, What's my your reaction benchmark? should be, What's my benchmark? What should it be? Yeah. What's my benchmark? Because if your benchmark is up 20%, that means I underperformed by 10%. And that's a lot of money I left on the table. And it means that I suck at what I do. So anytime you look at your portfolio, ask yourself, what is my benchmark? Without it, any number is okay, worthless. I, I'm not going to put it on the spot here, but I'm a little surprised you only brought this up now. Like I had never heard, we had never discussed benchmarks. And this is like January 15th, almost a year since we started talking about what Taco Talks. That's fair, but we haven't done a portfolio review either. So this is the first time we actually look into how your investment fair. performed. And I want to make sure that anytime you do a performance, a portfolio review, be it with, I don't know, yourself, an advisor, a life partner, or whoever it is that you manage your finances with in the future, yeah. you make sure that you keep yourself honest or whoever you're working with honest and okay. analyzing your portfolio. That makes sense. And I will say, I think it maybe sounds more complicated. <laughs> than what it actually is like we didn't talk about this earlier Fede, but what i did essentially Fede gave me homework so i'm giving you guys homework um i just opened an excel sheet and i listed all of my assets so from my bank accounts to my investments to my spotify stock to my very mini crypto investment which Fede, you know pretend you didn't hear that and I listed. I don't have anything against crypto. It did, it did well last year. It did well last year. You just have to size it um, accordingly. So I, um, I have oh, I have crypto, okay, so I'm not against it. You just have to size it accordingly. But uh, so essentially, I created this Excel sheet and I looked at numbers from and beginning no end of 2022, and then I compared it to numbers of end of 2023. And I'm guessing here, I you would have to understand like okay how much equity versus fixed income you have and what they're suggesting here is to look at the S and P five hundred compare your equity to the S and P five hundred benchmark and their performance. 
um, and then your fixed income to mm-hmm. the other one, which is Barclays something something. Barclays Global Global Ads. Global Ads. There you go. Um, so you know, get yourself a, a glass of wine or a coffee. Do some math. Um, I was listening to the podcast with Phil. I don't know if you heard the one I sent you from, the Financial Feminist. He do, he doesn't I, I, you like know how I feel about whatever. The, it's a great. It's podcast. a great. Um, it's also another great podcast. But she talks about having like a date with yourself to look at your finances, and I think this is one of those things where, like, at least for me, it was helpful to like quote have a date with myself, look at the numbers, understand them better, and yeah, I just have like more peace of mind and more understanding and more knowledge of maybe where I want to go next year. Okay. Um, that was a great recap. Okay, any last piece of advice? I, like, I know that because I asked Fede, how do I set my financial goals for 2024? And bear with me, I'm not like a huge, like I'm not a goal setter like I used to be and now I'm like, I, I want to go with the flow, fine. But I'm curious, Fede is more of a goal setting guy. Um, tell, tell them what you answered. Do you remember what you told me when I asked? How do you set, like? How should we set go about setting goals for fi- uh, for finance, like for our finances? I don't you recall know? what I said. You you. Said but did like, I say? Oh. I mean, I, I I have an answer, but I don't recall saying no, anything it was particular. So interesting that he said like you don't need to set new goals because the, like the goal and the the tactics are gonna be the same. Keep on investing, keep the strategy um, as it is. So. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know if there's any any other piece of advice or anything that you want to share to the audience for 2024. No, I think I, I I think you said it right. I think strategically, the habits don't change, right? You want to make sure that you're living within your means. You want to make sure that you're consistently investing. You want to make sure that you're investing in a way that is appropriate for the level of risk that you want to take. And I think just tactically, ask yourself if your risk tolerance is the same. If your priorities are the same, are there any liquidity needs that might require you to shift shift your asset allocation? Because as long as you are consistent and your portfolio is appropriate, you will continue to do well. Let's kill it in 2024. And I'll see you at the Boteco. Talks. 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 Talks.